Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy basketball tools and analysis on the entire internet. I don't know why you haven't gone there yet. If you're listening to this show, we say it every single time. If you've not gone to HashtagBasketball.com by now, this is like a, we've done like 300 some episodes. I don't know what's going on with you. HashtagBasketball.com right now. Do it right now. You got two weeks, three weeks before your draft. Go. HashtagBasketball.com. The rankings are out. The projections are out. Best quality on the internet. Free. Free tools and amazing results. I'm your host, Katrin. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Tyler P. Watts. What's up, Tyler? Michael, another great day. Kind of went hard on people who have not been to hashtag basketball. Like if, if this is your first time listening, then I kind of feel bad now. Already. I mean, whose first time is it listening? No one listens the first time on this on this podcast, do they? I, I hope so. I hope we have some first time listeners. It's a new season. Um, every year uh, when the season starts, our our, uh, our subscriber list grows, and uh, all of our old listeners, we respect the hell out of them, and all our uh, old school Patreon subscribers. We're on patreon.com slash watching the boxes. Uh, they're our favorite. We like you better than everybody else. I'm sorry. We do. You're great. I will also say at hashtag basketball.com, they have some beautiful uh, headshots of every player in these new rankings. And I am digging some of these headshots. Some of them are just fantastic. Who's your favorite, Who's your favorite one? You showed it to me a couple days ago. Oh, who was it? I don't even remember. I just remember it being like a really strange picture of the person. Somewhere in like the 124 range. I think they might play on Cleveland or or the Knicks or something like that. I don't know. I'll find it again. You gotta find it. But the reason uh we are gathered here today is that we got like, I don't know, probably who knows how many hours you are away from your uh upcoming draft. And uh Tyler, I participated in a uh industry mock draft. With a bunch of some old friends, some new friends, uh, hosted by Hoopball, uh, Dan Beastris. Thanks, uh, shout out to him. Shout out to uh, Adam King for the invite. Uh, shout out to our good friend Kyle McCown for um, trolling everybody during the draft and just picking absurd picks. And um, shout out to everybody else who was involved with the uh, the draft, including FJ Fantasy Sports, who made this really cool board that we are going to be posting on our Patreon at patreon.com slash watching the boxes. So you can follow along with this podcast as we break down this industry mock draft, this um, mock draft, this image of the mock draft that you'll see on our Patreon is, is free to everybody. You do not have to be a subscriber to see this, to see the mock draft and to, uh, to check out the results of this, but uh, 12 experts, nine cat roto, um, snake draft the first draft i've been involved in and since it's such a short season like mock drafts just opened on yahoo and, and espn and such um i um honestly this is probably the first like legit mock draft that lasted more than three rounds um that i've done this year are, are, are you out of practice tyler i don't i don't know about all that it has been more than a year right since we've done this uh for most of us so um I don't know. I don't think you ever lose it, though, do you? Tyler, Tyler's never out of practice, guys. He's 
always on top of it. Um, but I, I actually really like mock drafts um, as a starting point, right? I think it's a really good way to say, all right, what do you know? What other people think? What are other people who like you know pay attention to this uh, a ton? Who are they looking at? And I, I feel like I get a lot of value, not so much um, in the early rounds, but those mid late rounds. We only went ten rounds in this. Uh, but it's very interesting to see um, how people are valuing other players and who slips, who's being reached for. And I think that starts to give you a really good feel for um, what to expect when you go into your draft. Because chances are, if the, your league takes uh, fantasy basketball even somewhat seriously, they've gone out and looked at the rankings that were being that are provided by one of these guys in this in this draft. That's probably true. I think to uh, say this about mock drafts, I think a lot of times I don't pick the guys I really want in mock drafts. Is that crazy? Oh, I don't. I, I think that's perfectly fine. I think when I'm screwing around on Yahoo, uh, which I think if we got um, hit me up at Watch the Boxes on Twitter if you would like to see some uh, live mock drafts on Twitch. We have a Twitch channel. Uh, our Twitch channel is watching the boxes. So go check us out, subscribe there. And, uh, I'm thinking about doing some, uh, live drafts on there, uh, on Yahoo doing some mock drafts. So if you want to see that, uh, just hit me up at watch the boxes. I'll, I'll set up some times and I'll, maybe I'll do it on a regular basis between now and the, uh, the beginning of the season. Uh, but I'm with you, Tyler. Like I like to, I like to play around in each one of those drafts just to see what I can get away with, see where players fall. Um, and just to see, Kind of like if I feel comfortable in taking a reach for someone like Shea Gildress Alexander in the second round, like Kyle McCown did, that's a little early. Um, I, I think that's the whole point is that it is there is no consequences, um, and it's a great way to get your feet wet before your actual draft. I'm with you on all of that. Well, let's get into it then. Um, we're going to break down the the uh, draft here. Uh, kind of talk about our favorite picks, surprising picks, um, overreaches, and uh, we're kind of we're going to break it down uh, by every two rounds or so. And I think that's a really good um, measurement. Is that your first? And, and we talk about this all the time. And we're going to be doing a who do I draft segment. We're going to take one of the top picks. We're going to do a draft through the first you know seven eight rounds. Um, you know, kind of saying, hey, if I was doing a draft and I ended up. Um, you know, with Anthony Davis, this is probably how I build a, a team around Anthony Davis. Um, and since this was a nine cat roto league, um, I think we got to keep that in mind as well as we as we go through this. But our first two picks, and we say this all the time, Tyler, go with top value because once you get out of those first two rounds, the level of talent and the level of um, you know fantasy value starts to drop significantly until you reach that first plateau that probably starts around pick 40, for me, 42 to 45. Oh, I'm with you on that. So in this mock draft, round one, uh, I was surprised. Harden went first. Obviously, that was not a surprise, but I was surprised. Uh, Aaron Bruski took Carlton Towns at two, then Anthony Davis went at three. Did you have any problem with that right off the bat? Uh, I don't have a – I mean, so everything is relative in life, right? And I don't really have a problem with any of those first three guys. You know, I, I personally have them Harden, Davis, and then Towns, but you could make the case for Towns being there, right? Like Towns – could potentially score a little bit more. He definitely rebounds better. The assists were better last season. 
you know, Davis gets it in the steals and blocks, but they're both pretty good percentage guys too. You know what I mean? So like you're kind of splitting hairs. Um, Towns turns the ball over. So nine cat roto that matters, right? Um, it's actually a little bit easier to make the case for Towns in an eight cat league, but I, I personally would have Davis, but I don't hate the pick. I, I don't either. I think the, that your one, two, three, uh, Harden Davis and Towns is, is kind of where I'm at as well. Um, my most surprising pick from the first round anyway, was Jason Tatum over Luka Doncic. My most surprising pick was Jason Tatum at what? Sixth overall. I just don't really see the value in, in that pick, like in the sense that I think I'd rather have pretty much have everybody else in the first round over Jason Tatum, like finished 21st last year in per game value. Like wouldn't surprise me if he was outside the top 20 again. Um, he is a player that could take a leap. I guess I get that, but there was definitely a lot safer picks on the board. He's, he's young. He has potential, right? And Kimball Walker is going to be out for a bit. We don't know too much about that situation there, so it might be better for him in a, in a weird way. He might get more usage. But you got to really take a um, significant leap to go from 21 to 6 uh, or even just top 10. And uh, I just thought it was a lot. Like He could finish anywhere between 25 and 12 next season, and I guess I wouldn't be terribly surprised. So to take him over Doncic or Giannis or Jokic or Kawhi Leonard, who I ended up taking at 10, uh, not, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that pick. Um, I went with um, I Leonard, and then coming back on the turn, I ended up with Kevin Durant uh, at pick 15. And, and let me tell you, I really despise taking uh, having the 10th pick. I feel like there's a, definitely a consensus top 10. Apparently not with Tatum going in the top 10. Um, but you got to wait for two people to pick to come back so you're not on the turn. And I've noticed that there was a lot of uh, really good players that fell to the end of the second round into the third round. Um, and I feel like if you can get into that top three, top four, do whatever you need to do get to get in that top three, top four this season uh, more than ever. I, I think that's not a crazy thing to think like, Oh, I want a top pick, but this year I think it's almost a necessity. I have a question for you just about this draft in general that I'd like to hear about. Would you do it differently knowing the outcome? Um, Absolutely. Yes. I think, I mean, I would probably say that about every single draft I've ever been in. Um, I think this was a weird one. Um, and I also think just because of the quick turnaround, everybody was kind of um, drafting at very, uh, at very different mindsets at very different levels of preparation. Um, I had started doing my rankings and tiers, but some of these guys have their rankings and tiers completely out and published. Um, and I think a couple people, uh, were winging it. Uh, and I, I not gonna, I, I don't know who was winging it, but I know somebody who was definitely trolling everybody. And that was our friend Kyle McCown. Uh, as I said earlier, he went, uh, he got Luka Doncic in the first round, probably the, be the best pick in the first round. And then he went with Shea Gildress Alexander in the second round. And I, that's an absurd overreach in my opinion. Maybe not the most absurd overreach in the second round. Uh, I mean, it's. It's not a pick I would make. I don't think, though, you can say there's no way he could return that value. Like, he's the only person left on the Thunder, maybe. Um, he finished 53rd, though, in per-game per value last season. So, to jump, to make the jump all the way to, I mean, what is this? This is in the top 20, right? Um, that's not seeming likely. And 
to me, Soldier Alexander is more of a third, fourth round pick than he is a second round pick. But you know, Kyle, man, he has his guys, and he's been big on Shea Gillis Alexander, and you know, he went with them. So props for props for that. I'm I'm about zero percent surprised uh, at how Kyle approached this draft because he this is kind of how he has approached every draft I've ever been in with him. Even and not even because it was a mock draft. Uh, this is how he approaches real drafts. He just takes the guys he wants. He doesn't care where he's picking them. And I don't know. I kind of give props to that type of mentality. I'm almost like maybe the exact opposite. I actually of pick. If there's someone better valued on the board. I almost nor guys i i like over that like you know I, I almost like try to um push down on the desire to a guy and i think i uh, that i really want if there's someone with better value on the board and i think that's what i did here on uh, to the third round um any of these um stand out to you um either being great or being not so great and i'm gonna go in that in that particular case jamal murray at the end of the second round is is to me a bigger overreach than shea gillis alexander in the second round uh yeah i mean i i think murray's probably he was 55th last season like how much better is he gonna get i would be surprised if he cracks the top 40 this year so to pick him 24th does definitely seem like a reach. I thought Paul George, Josh Lloyd, I thought got a pretty good value there. I kind of have Paul George more on my turn than I do in the late second round, which is where he fell to. I agree. Paul George and Jimmy Butler both fell to the end of the second round here. And I also have them closer to my turn uh, in the second round, uh, much earlier in the second round. So both good values. Um, and I, I understand uh, uh, Alex Reclaim, uh, someone we've worked in the past, good friend of the show. Um, you know, Murray, Nurkic, those are the same picks. So beginning in the third round, into the second round, doesn't really matter where you pick those guys. Nurkic is a great value there. Murray, not so much. But Murray is not getting back to him at all. And if you really, really want Murray, he's not going to get him. Um, and we've noticed, and we kind of mentioned this, I think, in the last podcast, guards go quick. And once you get out of, like, the third beginning of the fourth – there are no more good guards left, period. You got to get yours. And his next picks would have been at the, um, at the end of the fourth, end of the fifth. So getting a guard there is a necessity for him. I just like a couple guards better than Jamal Murray. So why I asked my previous question was, you basically left this draft without a point guard. Certainly did. And in a roto league, uh -huh. right, which is what this is, I think you were maybe last in assists almost certainly i i pretty sure i announced that i would, I would i'd be getting last absolute last in assists uh, but probably first in turnovers and of uh, free throw percentage um threes perhaps even uh, all my players i think score like 18 plus points some of them much more than that so it was kind of like uh in I didn't plan on punting anything because it's a roto league, but I ended up there. Every one of the guys I got, I, I thought I got for very good value. And in some ways, all of those guys are tradable for something better over the course of the season. So um, the, cr the crazy part, and maybe this is a, a case for Kevin Durant not going where you picked him was, I think your opportunity to get a fair amount of assists 
was probably in that second round, right? Because, like, even in the third round, like, by the time you picked, like, unless you were going to pick Chris Paul over KP, which you could have done, right? Like, no, Chris Paul went before me, and I was actually planning on taking Chris Paul with my with my third pick, and uh, two picks of, uh, before me, Chris Paul ended up slipping. Because I was like, Leonard and Durant score a lot. Chris Paul doesn't score that much, but, you know, I think his assist are going to be great in uh, with the Suns. So that left me with Holiday or Lowry over Porzingis, and I went with value because um, Porzingis could be great. I probably, if I had to do it over again, I would probably switch that. And so I, I think this is a good, if you're a snake draft person, right, I think you want to leave those first three rounds with a point guard. If you don't leave those first three rounds with a point guard, like you're going to be picking from the, the John Morant, Jamal Murray bucket. And if you miss out on those guys, you're picking from the, what I like to call the scary bucket, which is John Wall and Eric Bledsoe and guys that you're like, ah, do I like really Connelly, want, yeah. right? Do I really want you to be my starting point guard? Uh, D'Angelo Russell, De'Aaron Fox, like those guys were still available in the fifth round in this draft. I mean, we'll get there. But once those guys are gone, like we get to that sixth round and I'm looking around at some of the point guards people picked and I'm going like either you're not really a point guard or you just are not someone I really want to own. I um, I think that's really good um, advice for people in their snake drafts. Um, you are not, if you don't get that, and, and this happened to me, if you don't get that point guard with the good assists, um, you're probably not, in the first three rounds, you're probably not going home with a point guard at all. Um, you might get lucky and somebody slips. Um, I think by the time we got to the fourth round, the only guys that were left um, after those first two picks, Holiday and Morant, I went with scoring. I went with Levine. Um, I think that's good value in the fourth round. Chris Middleton and Robert Covington are great values in the fourth round. Zion went in the fourth round. We, you, you guys know our opinion on Zion. He's not a fourth-round talent. We don't think he's a top-50 talent. Uh, he's got a lot of holes in his game. And this is a roto league. Like the, Zion should not have been picked in the fourth round. Uh, but yeah, Why do you get- everyone hate Chris Middleton? That's my question. That's my question. I don't know. I'm not sure. Why does everyone hate him? So he didn't go into the fourth round. He was 29th last year in per game value. He um, he's finished in the top 25 before. He's um, actually a couple times he's finished in the top 30 when he's healthy, when he's rolling on all cylinders. He's a really he's a top player, and I think he's just his name's been around for such a long time. Um, and he's just kind of like an older player. He's, he doesn't have that young guy uh, stink on him. He ends up slipping, and, man, I I mean, I think he has to be taken in the third round. Yeah, and I'm surprised. I was just surprised by this whole draft and, like, some of these people, you know, let let some guys slip, and they, they reach for some players that I personally wouldn't have in the, in the first couple of rounds, and I think we see this a lot in expert drafts. Like, guys get – if they're their person and then they want to take them early and yeah, I don't know. It just always kind of surprises me like how fixated some people get like Brandon Ingram, for example, like, okay, he was 26 last year. I get that. But like, I mean, he went in the middle of the third round. Like, I don't, I don't love that pick. I don't really think Brandon Ingram is going to be a, a, the 26th ranked player this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he was, you know, just inside the top 40, maybe like, thought that was a bit of a reach yeah well i think um the fourth and fifth rounds into the sixth round right 
that's like the meat and potatoes of your draft. I think it's very, very easy to kind of like figure out your consensus in the first round to understand who you kind of want to target in the second round to uh, wait for someone to fall to you in the third round. You know who those like top tier guys are. Once it starts leveling out here into the third tier into the first plateau, um, that's I feel like when you make your uh, when you make your draft, right? Um, I don't think it's terribly hard to be like, yeah, I, Devin Booker is better than Gordon Hayward. I'm going to take him. Like, but uh, when you get into this fourth round, into the fifth round, sixth round, all those guys are very similar. So, is there any is there any fourth through I guess sixth round player uh, or pick Tyler, that you really really loved as as, as great value? that I loved as great value. Well, so Westbrook was still in Houston, right? At this point, I would say that was probably a pretty good value. Now it is Roto, so he gets a little bit of a bump down, but like I feel like he's going to be he was really good for a, a good stretch there in Houston last year and I feel like he's going to be really good in Washington this year. So, he probably should have went a little higher knowing what we know today. Um I think the picks that I – I don't know that there were so many picks that I loved. There was more picks that I was like, ooh, I, I thought that was a reach. Like like you mentioned, I think so many of these guys are so close in value that you're going like, okay, well, that was a good pick. Like he deserves to be there. I would say the best value anybody got in the fourth through sixth rounds would be Holiday and Middleton. I think both those guys should go in the third round. They both slip to the fourth. Absolutely. I'm actually going um, uh, with uh, – LaMarcus Aldridge to Josh Lloyd in the fifth round. Um, fifth pick of the fifth round. LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't finish out of the top 30. And you know who else doesn't fit out, uh, rarely finishes out of top 50? Marta Rosen. Um, both, the, they're boring, they're old, they're on the Spurs. Like, they finish well. They finish better than some of these guys people are taking chances on, like Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and, or let's say, you know, obviously Zion. Um, Gordon Hayward, I'd rather have LaMarcus Aldridge or DeMar DeRozan other than Gordon Hayward. Um, Gordon Hayward went in the, uh, near the end of the fourth round. So I think those old favorites are great picks here. Um, if there was like a younger guy that I thought someone like maybe took a reach on or took a chance on, I actually don't know. Beginning of the sixth round, Thomas Bryant. Um, I don't, I don't think that's a reach. I think that's a great pick. Uh, the, the the two clear reaches were me for me in this fourth through sixth round range was Zion and Lamelo Ball. Absolutely, Lamelo was far too early. There was a lot of uh, when uh, when Lamelo Ball got picked, there was a lot of uh, yelling and gnashing of teeth, um, yelling about a rookie going so early. But uh, that is who Joven wanted, and that is who Joven got. Um, the other uh, very funny uh, moment of this draft was. In the middle of the fifth round, Joan, uh, Jonas Nader uh, auto-picked Mitchell Robinson, and everybody's like, whoa, whoa, stop the draft, stop the draft. Uh, there was an auto-pick. Uh, there's no way um, in the middle of the fifth round Mitchell Robinson should be going. Everybody's like, yeah, stop. I don't think he wanted it. And they reversed the draft, and then he picked Mitchell Robinson again. And he's like, no, I wanted it. And we're like, ooh, I don't. It's never a good sign if everybody thinks your auto-pick was a mistake. <laughs> well at least at least it's the fifth round now and not the second or third i mean baby steps michael we're slowly teaching people how to play this game it's it's just small steps in life you know what other picks there was actually two picks in a row that surprised me in that sixth round and that was draymond green and rashawn holmes 
Yeah, both guys with huge question marks in in, in uh, production and playing time, um, and both going uh, at the beginning, right? No, ship, ship. No, at the end of the sixth round. So okay. So. I mean, and we talked about Holmes. We talked about that situation. Like, Draymond Green, I do not know what to make of Draymond Green. I don't know where to pick Draymond Green. I don't know if you picked Draymond Green. Like, I mean, he was the 81st in per-game value last year. And he only played 43 games. He shot terribly. Like, it's a Roto League, too. So, like, do you want Draymond Green at all in a Roto League? Like, I guess he doesn't shoot that much. So, he doesn't tank your percentages that hard. But... I don't know. He just scares me. Plus, owning anybody who scores eight points a game. It's hard to do. Right. It pushes you pretty close to a punt points strategy. Like, and, you know, it was Aaron Bruski who made the pick, and he's was doing very well in points. And I guess maybe that's why he thought he, he wanted to make the pick. I mean, he had Towns, he had Aiton, he had Mitchell. Like, he had a lot of strong scorers there kind of at the top. You know, Tobias Harris can get 20 a game. Um, but he went with Valanciunas and green back to back. Like, I think that probably put his points from near the top to down there in the middle of the pack and maybe even a little bit below that. Yeah. And in these later rounds, you do have to take, uh, into account the makeup of the team above you or above you in the, in this chart, I guess not in, um, uh, the, the literal sense, but the, um, six from seven through 10, this is really your open, open air crapshoot plateau. My open mic night. Open mic night. Who any anything goes. There is no real order here. You you cannot tell me that um, you know Serge Ibaka and Blake Griffin and uh, you know Julius Randle. Like they're all. You can't tell me exactly where they're going to be. All that's going to shift in and out. What you really need to know in these later rounds is what type of stats these particular players um, are able to give you, especially in a road league, and what is their ceiling? Is their ceiling? What is their floor? Right. You don't want to go with anybody with a, a dropout floor. Uh, ideally, you want to go with somebody with a nice high ceiling. Um, I end up taking in the sixth round Brooke Lopez and Buddy Heald in the seventh round. Buddy Heald in the seventh round feels, um, in my opinion, I thought it was like the best value on the board. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't hate that. Um, Victor Oladipo going the seventh round, I thought that was a good, a good little value with just potential. Like you mentioned, it there's a lot of potential. Victor Oladipo is a lot better than a seventh round player, right? Um, I liked your pick of Josh Richardson. I will say that. I thought there was some some interesting, you know, flyers in this range and some picks that were a little, I want, I don't want to say head scratching because you mentioned it, like anyone could, could fill this range, but it was like, man, that was a, that was a flyer. That was a shot. That was a shot. I probably wouldn't have taken like, uh, DeMarcus cousins in the eighth round. I don't know what to make of DeMarcus cousins, but like, that just seemed like a pick on like, Oh, okay. I, I guess maybe, maybe. I liked, I actually really liked, this is the time to take flyers, and I liked some of those flyers. I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about taking DeMarcus Cousins this early. Maybe I should. And I think that's what's nice about a mock draft. It's like, oh, Otto Porter in the eighth round. Yeah, I mean, okay. He's been a top 50 player. Um, if he's healthy, okay, that, that could happen again, especially in a, in a roto draft, a roto league. And I think the, 
extended absence right from the whole pandemic and then there was the bubble and so like it feels like some of these guys and some of these guys haven't played in a long time but it feels like some of these guys especially some of the ones that were hurt for a, a good portion of last season have not played in forever Otto porter demarcus cousins john wall like all those guys just feel like man how many years has it been since that guy played and some of them it's not as long as it seems but i feel like this year maybe more than any other there's a lot of like flyer types you can take on guys that have not played back in a while but were once you know top 20 players top 30 players top 50 players yeah um in fact some of the guys who fell very far in the draft in this eight through ten um were guys who have a lot of obviously question marks around their playing time uh, around their role on a team, around their health. Kimball Walker went in the middle of the eighth round, and that's how far he's fallen. I almost, I was like, oh man, that feels like too, eighth round feels too late to take him. It feels like maybe he should have went a round or two ahead of that, even though his injuries are questionable and he could be out through January. Kimball Walker in the eighth round, you can deal with the downtime. Okay. You you and I talk about this, I think, every year about do we want to draft a guy who's already hurt? Right? And And the answer is always depends on where I'm drafting him. Right. And so, you know, it it, there becomes a point. I definitely don't want I mean Kem Walker's good. Kem Walker's always good. Um this injury seemed to kind of linger on for a a hair a hair bit here. Um don't love taking Kemba Walker like in the top fifty, but in the eighth round, I have no real issues with it, especially given the lack of point guards. Like, I mean, you you look at the point guards that went around him, and like I'm sitting there going, like, would I rather have Kemba Walker or Colin Sexton, who went in the round before? Give me Kemba Walker twelve times out of ten. Yeah, and there's a huge difference between like, oh, well, Kemba Walker's hurt going into the season versus like Andrew Wiggins is hurt going into the season. Well, I know what their ceilings are. So, like, Andrew Wiggins, I'm not interested in taking a hurt Andrew Wiggins ever. But a hurt Kimball Walker, eventually, by the halfway, halfway point through the season, might be returning you top 30 value, taking him in the eighth round. I think that's really, uh, I think that's a really nice return. Um, and the other really nice return here uh, about a question mark player was in the ninth round, um, Josh Lloyd ended up going with Hassan Whiteside. And that's how far Hassan Whiteside has fallen as well off the radar. Yeah, we talked about that. I think, you know, him and Rashawn Holmes kind of split in those minutes. Like, I don't hate Whiteside in the ninth round. I don't love Holmes in the sixth. But I think we could see a situation where they kind of sap each other's value. And that's uh, obviously not good. But I think in the ninth round, right, we're talking that's pick – you know, outside the top 100, basically. Um, isn't Whiteside going to block enough shots and grab enough rebounds to return top 100 value even in 20 minutes a game, 22 minutes a game, 25 minutes a game? I I believe so. I, I don't see why he wouldn't. Well, we saw it with, like, Marcus Gasol and, and Serge Ibaka, right? Like, you know, Serge Ibaka was still really good even though he was only playing, what, 26, 27 minutes a game, so Whiteside could be in a similar situation. Um, yeah, there was three rookies who went in this draft. Um, you, we already talked about LaMelo Ball in the sixth. Uh, James Wiseman went in the seventh. Unless I'm missing a fourth one. Um, I see – oh, no, sorry. There is a fourth one. In the last round, 
Jillian Hayes and Anthony Edwards uh, went. And I don't think I see any other ones. That seems correct, right? If you were in a, uh, at the end of a standard draft, um, if Edwards, Hayes, Wiseman, and Ball are gone, cool. Makes yeah, sense. I mean, I, I, I'm i okay with those guys not being picked, but I'm okay with them being picked. You know what I mean? Like, I think they're fine flyers, but I don't think any of them are going to return in extremely high value this season. I think when with that let's and let's take a look at that last round because I feel, always feel like someone's last pick is a very interesting um, uh, way to uh, analyze how that person what, what that person's thinking. Um, Adam Stock went with Evan Fournier in the tenth round. Actually, really like Evan Fournier. He's a top one hundred player. He's a consistent top one hundred player, and he's boring. If you're trying to get value. That's a really good value. If you took some swings earlier in the draft, like on Otto Porter and Clint Capella, like he did, Kelly Oubre in the fifth round, which I really like that pick. Um, then Evan Oubre, uh, uh, oh, sorry, Evan Oubre. I wish there was an Evan Oubre. Evan Fournier, which you should not, do not Google his name. Evan Fournier is a very safe um, pick that kind of rounds your team out into, well, if one of those guys doesn't pan out, I at least have like a top 90, top 80 player to slip in uh, versus, you know, taking a uh, a big flyer on Chris Bouchard. Yeah, and I think, too, it matters how you structure your team up to that point. Like, if I'm feeling good about my team, I might take that upside shot. If I'm feeling like my team need some stability because I've got a few risky guys. I might take that stability guy. Um, also, you know, we talked about Kyle's draft and, and we can talk about this a little bit more. Maybe like Kyle picked the guys he wanted to pick. He picked them all maybe ahead of where I would have picked them. I mean, I thought Robert Covington was a good pick. I thought miles Turner was a good pick, but like he reached on some of those other guys for sure. Um, Kyle has a very specific strategy and his thing is I'm either going to win the league or finish last, but if I'm second, I'm last. Like, I don't care. I want to win the league. Um, yeah. I, when the draft was, I laughed at a lot of his uh, picks, especially Christian Wood in the third, which we talked about a lot about Christian Wood. But then after a while, I was like, man, Covington was a great pick. And then he got like Wendell Carter. I was like, Ooh, Wendell Carter's really good in the seventh. And he got OG and Anomi in the eighth. And after the draft, I looked at his team. And I was like, I like this team. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes if, if, you know, you're going for, for swings, you could go for a bunch of swings and you got to just accept the fact that you might finish last. Yeah. And that's um, a very different strategy than what I uh, applied here, which was go for value every time. Don't worry too much about your team fit. Uh, don't worry too much about the overall road league. Cause the, the league is one with the moves you make within the league. Not uh, you can lose your, league in the draft but you certainly can't win the league in the, during your draft and uh you know Porzingis comes on strong when he comes back great that's a trade piece maybe i don't need him um buddy healed has a, a you know the potential to go off for a couple weeks that's trade bait someone might need scoring i have plenty of scoring uh, run the uh run the points up throughout the first half of the season and then trade zach levine to somebody who's struggling in points Trade them, trade Zach Levine to a team that if they pass other teams in points, their overall points go down in Roto. So I, I kind of like to play the long game in Roto where, um, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. 
And maybe I let Zach Levine go for a little less value, but to a guy who, if they succeed in scoring more points, they end up passing other players. Your overall totals go down on those guys. I pass them in the long term. Um, so I don't mind overloading on, you know, which I did threes and points uh, in this particular case, because you can run up a score on that and uh, make different types of moves during the season. That's why I really truly like Roto Leagues more than head-to-head leagues. Okay, so here's the question, Michael. You were in this draft. You can trade your team for any team in the draft. Who won this draft? Which expert won this draft? Man, that's a really good question. I don't think I've uh, completely um, analyzed every single player on this board. Um, I think at first glance, if I look at like the first five or six rounds, my favorite two teams are probably Scott Bogman, Jokic, Booker, Chris Paul, lots of assists, a hard stat to get. Middleton and DeRozan late. Kevin Love and Lowry Market in late. Um, I, I kind of like that particular uh, draft. And um, in, I go without saying, but I, you know, I like uh, I like Josh Lloyd's draft as well. Paul George, late, Steph Curry, Gobert, Westbrook, LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, a little bit safer of a draft, but like I, I like both of those guys' drafts uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I said those were probably my two favorites. Um, but it, it, Tyler, I wouldn't trade my team because I have the best team in the draft. Oh, uh, I would trade your team because you don't have any assists. I do. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, f- I felt like, you know, this was a good experiment. And I think, you know, if you guys got together and did this draft again, I think a lot would, would change, especially, you know, in a couple weeks when we get closer to the season, just because, you know, you mentioned this was kind of the first run for some people. I think, as crazy as it seems, I think that port premium on point guards is only going to go up. And we might start seeing, you know, some of these guys, you know, get taken even earlier yet. And that could create some values for you, but it could also make, you know, maybe punting assists a much more viable strategy because, you know, all the point guards are getting picked so early. Yeah. And I think that kind of dawned on me after I uh, looked at my draft and how I missed out on Chris Paul. I met, uh, I went with Porzingis over Lowry and holiday, which uh, in retrospect, once those guys went off the board and John Morant, uh, I realized, you know, there goes that go, there goes all my attempts at assists, and I didn't want Westbrook in a roto league. So, uh, especially since I was doing so uh, destroyingly well in free throw, I didn't want him to come in and ruin it. Um, so, I I think it's starting to, in a weird way, change my rankings at the top uh, more than anything. Um, I, I think Lillard and Curry are going to move up my draft board a little bit. Um, I think LeBron James in the first round, while I don't think I've ever even tried to put him in my first round in the last few years, I think he, he might make the end of my first round simply because he gets those, those assists. And uh, I'm 1000% going to be more cognizant of uh, targeting a point guard, a guy with assists uh, in those second and third rounds. Um, as I move towards the drafts that really matter going into the season. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's probably the strategy most of us are going to have to go with. And um, I will also be on the lookout for a few uh, 
late assist guys that I think I can grab. Um, we mentioned it, you know, he's he's not starting, but like I, I was a big fan of the last, you know, three, four, five years of getting someone like Ricky Rubio or Jeff Teague. Normally I get a point guard early anyways, and sometimes I get more than one point guard. But then, you know, getting those guys that could get you those assists late. Um, both guys are backup point guards now, so they might not be on the list, although Jeff Teague might start. So he's now the starting point guard for the Celtics. Um, I'm going to be on the lookout over, you know, the training camp period here on who can get me some late round assists, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten. Who can get me the the dimes in those rounds? Because there's gonna be there's gonna be a couple guys that pop up, I think. I agree. Yeah, Trey Trey Young win the first round. I this is the first time I've ever thought, yeah, actually Trey Young in the first round starting to make sense. So I think that's the best tip to leave on. I think that's the biggest um I guess realization that came from this. Uh this was a lot of fun. Um, I think there is some very there's some nice gold there in the last three rounds. If you were trying to think of um, sleepers or guys uh, just like late round guys that you hadn't thought of, go through those last three rounds. Uh, pick and choose the guys that uh, kind of uh, jump out to you. I went with Darius Beasley with my last pick. Um, guy who's going to get minutes in OK City um, might be a little um, raw, but I don't know, it's, it's it's worth a flyer. And if you guys have any other, you know, questions, ideas, comments, hit us up on Twitter. Tyler, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler P. Watts. Excellent. You can find me at Watch the Boxes. We've got a lot more coming for you guys, but we will be back very, very soon. Um, we're going to be doing some ADPs for the for the Yahoo and ESPN. And once, you know, once people start doing more drafts, I feel like that's the time to do it. And our... Uh, Due to popular demand, fan favorite, the uh, Who Do I Draft series featuring all your favorites at the top of the draft. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash watching the boxes. If you like playing daily fantasy, check out thrivefantasy.com. Use that promo code WTB. You get an extra $20 bonus when you sign up. Uh, and then also, guys, go to hashtag basketball.com. Best site on the internet for free basketball tools and analysis. Catch you soon. Thanks for joining us.